Welcome to the Gen Xer Podcast, a weekly podcast that discusses what's going on in the world through the eyes of the long-forgotten group, Generation X. I'm your host, Stephen Vargas, and uh, yeah, there's going to be there's quite a bit going on in this episode, um, and uh, stick around to the end of the show because I have a very special announcement going through that. Uh, also, earlier this season, I mentioned that I was kind of retiring my the Gen Xer journals. Um, I'm actually not. I think I'm going to be doing that, but I'm not going to be doing that so much about this show. And I may add the past episodes that I haven't been putting on that blog that I've been putting on the Lazy Geeks. I may be, may be adding them back to that one. So I still haven't decided. But uh, yeah, so I do have a blog up there now. And uh, so, yeah, definitely check out the Gen Xer Journals dot com and uh, and uh, keep up to date on some of my some of my musings that aren't related to this show or lazy geeks or whatever all right so with all that being said let's get on with the show so i was born in 1973 less than a decade outside of the assassination of john f kennedy being a history buff i've seen all the images the moving picture images of jfk jr saluting his father's casket Growing up in the 80s, seeing the media go nuts over his high-profile celebrity dating life, the press pestering him if he would run for public office. And I used to think, leave this poor dude alone. Let him live his life. Basically, he was the early version of Prince William and Harry. However, when he died suddenly in a plane crash, killing him, his wife, and sister-in-law, I knew the family was cursed as the old American legend goes. This also ties into when I remembered a time when people used to stay dead. People like Marilyn Monroe, dead. Dean Martin, dead. Things get started, change, things started changing probably after the death of Elvis Presley. That the king would die so suddenly, and they denied it so much that they held out hopes that he could, you know, he couldn't handle the pressure and faked his own death and lived out his life as a normal person. Whatever that is. Then, in the last couple of years, I started hearing John F. Kennedy Jr. was still alive. And not just alive, but had some cosmetic surgery to allow him to live out a normal life. Now keep in mind, he should be in his 60s now. However, what surprised me the most is that he was a, supposed to be a Trump supporter? Yeah, the offspring of Camelot was a red hat. So, last Tuesday, hundreds of people gathered in Dealey Plaza because it was predicted that JFK Jr. would reveal himself to the world. Why is Dealey Plaza relevant? Well, that was the site of the assassination of his father in 1963. I mean, if you're going to reveal that you faked your own death, doing it in a place where your father was murdered sounds like a logical place to do it. And sadly, these people were left bummed. However, many of the people that believed, many of the people there believed that, you know, many dead celebrities would reveal that they were alive and hiding from the deep state, which is reasoning 
which is the reasoning as to why JFK Jr. faked his death to hide from the deep state. But what about his wife and his sister-in-law? Were they still alive too? Or were they just collateral damage to keep the ruse going? Where did this start? Oddly enough, it started just after Q went dark in June 2018. Another poster named R started showing up at in the QAnon forums, dropping hints that JFK Jr. faked his own death. The notion gained steam when Liz Corkin, a right-wing conspiracy theorist, during an interview with vlogger Jenny Moon, uh, Moonstone, where she believed that Q was actually JFK Jr. himself. The way that Q talks about JFK Sr. in the post is with such love and passion. It makes me think that there is someone that is close to him, Corkin said in the video. If JFK Jr. faked his death and was alive, it would make sense that he was Q. I don't know why they would that would make sense, but whatever. The fervor continued to grow when someone posted a quote supposedly attributed to JFK Jr. on social media claiming that he would support Donald Trump if he would run for president. Quote, If my dear friend Donald Trump ever decided to sacrifice his fabulous billionaire lifestyle to become president, he would be an unstoppable force for ultimate justice that Democrats and Republicans alike would celebrate. The quote which was reportedly published in George Magazine in June 1999, which JFK Jr. started in 95, and the Kennedy's fatal, fatal plane crash was on July 16, 1999. The picture was originally taken at a Knicks game. High-profiled people in New York would constantly bump into each other. Many publications like Politico, Rolling Stone, and others debunked this quote. Now, the picture is real, but the quote never appeared in the magazine. Now, not wanting to let silly things like facts get in the way, QAnon supporters clung to the theory that Kennedy and Trump had long been in cahoots, and the quote continues to circulate to this day as another quote from JFK Jr. reportedly vowing to avenge his father's death. Quote, even if I bring down the whole government, end quote, it's unclear if the quote is real, and either way, it was in context of the accusations that Lyndon B. Johnson was behind his father's assassination. And for the record, Lyndon B. Johnson is also very, very dead. Vincent Fusca has been tagged by many online sleuths to be JFK Jr. in disguise, which turns out that he is, but it turns out he is just a Trump superfan and hasn't anything to really shy away from, and hasn't done anything really to shy away from these theories. He is a fedora-wearing man that has been seen in the background of a lot of Trump rallies, the only proof needed by some QAnon followers that the man is real. Predictions were made countless times in the two years leading up to the election that he would reveal himself and come out in support of Trump. However, the narrative shifted in 2019 when Trump supporters had enough of Mike Pence. During Trump's 4th of July celebration that year, it was prophesied that he would reveal himself and be Trump's new running mate. Now, keep in mind, JFK Jr. never had a nerve for politics. He disdained it since he, since he saw what it did to his family. He even had issues passing the New York State Bar exam. And not to belittle him for that, not many people can pass it on the first time, but you wouldn't have guessed it by the media coverage of it. Of it. So... What made last Tuesday different 
Well, it was the first anniversary of the election of 2020, which Trump lost. The idea was that he would reveal himself, and that was one thing. Somehow, he would reinstall Trump as president. Then Trump would resign the post and hand it over to JFK Jr. and would select General Michael Flynn as his vice president. Yeah. For a group that claims to love the Constitution and the Bible, they never actually read it. They just received their education from memes on social media and vlogs. And for one thing, Trump would never resign. Not for the good of the party, the cause, nothing. Secondly, the president doesn't get to choose who, his, who would be his successor. If that was the case, Obama would have given the office to Hillary Clinton or George H.W. Bush would have kept it when he lost to Ross Perot. JFK Jr. never appeared, and I don't think he ever will. Sadly, he died in 1999 along with his wife and sister-in-law. But like many religious fundamentalists, as long as you have faith, nothing is impossible. Now, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I do remember something in the Bible about false prophets coming in my name. Maybe they should look that up for a moment. Over the course of the last 11 episodes, you may have noticed a trend. At the core of many of the topics, it's hypocrisy. There is hypocrisy over guns, masks, vaccines, social media, religion, politics, the media, and conspiracy theories. My dad used to say that no matter how far someone strays, they will eventually come back home. To their roots. Now I have to admit, that isn't so much the case anymore. When you say something, you, get, you got, got it wrong, you would apologize and promise to do better. Nowadays, you simply double down on the falsehood. You hear in the media, over 30-some-odd percent of people believe the election was rigged. Oh, so you mean some 70% of the people believed it was fine? We hear the constant groans about woke culture and cancel culture, but both sides play it all the time. Roseanne Barr says something racist about her boss at ABC and gets fired. They scream cancel culture and wokeism, but they turn around and find questionable tweets about James Gunn from a decade before, then he gets fired and conservatives rejoice. The main difference between Roseanne Barr and James Gunn is that she said it on social media the day before, while Gunn was, said his when George W. Bush was president. The left does the same thing. They protect one of their own unless he supports a conservative or even comes to the defense of someone critical to, L to the LGBTQ community. They come to the support of Gunn, but if a conservative comes against the new Trump organization, you can't trust them because they worked for Trump. So someone can't come around? Ann Coulter hated Trump. That meant anti-Trumpers were on the same side for once. LeBron James is a huge hypocrite in my book. Here's a guy that called out police brutality and some officers mistakenly to get, get, get them canceled. Yet... When it came to the vaccine, oh, that's a personal choice. No one should be forced to get the shot. But you can use your bully pulpit to try and force change without valid information? My brother in 2016 was an avid Fox watcher and voted for Trump. Once he retired and started seeing all the stuff he was doing, he changed his mind, realized that he made a mistake, and of course, the, he did a hard 180 and voted for Bernie, even though he liked Elizabeth Warren. 
Then you have Christians that are complaining about being canceled. And if you listen to them, you would think that Christianity was a banned religion. But it isn't. They talk about school prayer. Oh, they allow witches into public schools, but they can't allow prayer. The problem is they they do allow prayer. Kids can have prayer groups in school. They can pray at lunch. There cannot be a school-organized prayer, which is what they want. You go back and you hear some conservatives talking about schools teaching Harry Potter as curriculum, which isn't true. No class was teaching you witchcraft. It wasn't teaching me witchcraft when I was in school. Nor was it teaching me critical race theory or telling me that, you know, white people were were evil and they should be ashamed of themselves. And then the war on Christmas. It isn't a war. People get a whole stick up their ass when you say happy holidays. No, it's Christmas. Well, this person is Jewish or this person is Hindu or Muslim. White Christianity doesn't want to acknowledge any other religion exists except their own. That means as long as I have to acknowledge someone else's pagan religion, you are oppressing the Christian. It's like, can't people just accept the fact that someone, be, is be, someone beyond themselves exists? I have friends of various religions and political ideals. Now, I may not agree 100% with their views, but I keep a mouth shut and enjoy things we have in common. Yet you have conservatives, liberals, or vegans that can't keep their own opinions to themselves. I remember something someone once told me. In order to maintain friendship, you need to not talk about politics and religion. That's a helpful tool. I do that with some relatives. But the biggest issue with wokeism and cancel culture is that both sides do it. The media complains about, oh, they're trying to discredit media when the media has been doing that themselves using tabloid journalism for decades. Now they clutch their pearls as if, oh my God, how dare you tell us that we're, that we're not legit. Gun control people sit there and say, oh, well, if more people had guns, there'd be less violence in the world. Really? You think that? Because how many times in the state of Texas has there been an incident where someone went on a mass shooting spree and someone with the gun shot back? One. But that was outside of a church after he had killed a bunch of people in that church. We live in an age of hypocrisy. And I'm not just talking about the Trump years. I'm talking going back to the Obama years, to the Bush years, to the Clinton years, to Bush and Reagan, even Nixon. We live in an age where it's okay for our side to do one thing and your side to not. It's very easy to get into that tribalism mentality. It isn't woke culture. It isn't cancel culture. It's tribalism. That anyone on our side is, is pure and everybody on the other side is not. And then the cancel culture aspect are people that live, live up to this purity test that no one can ever do. When people sit there and say, oh, well, this person hasn't done this, and that's all you've ever done is just call out people on social media but have never done a fucking thing, you're part of the problem. In fact, you are the problem. 
conservatives have blamed Obama for creating wokeism and then trying to dispel it when it comes against Joe Biden. The problem is, is it went far beyond Obama. Conservatives have been doing it for years, as have liberals. The biggest issue that we have in this country isn't gun control, isn't First Amendment, isn't prayer in schools. It's hypocrisy. And the only way that we can actually solve this is if we get that stick out of our own ass. Allow people to express opinions that are not our own or don't reflect our own ideals and let them exist. So what if Rowling says that she believes there are only two genders? So what? She offends, she offends the community. Don't go to her movies. Don't go to her, don't buy her books. But don't persecute other people who sit there and say, well, she has an opinion, whether it be right or wrong. She's not inciting violence. She's not inciting people to go ahead and commit violence against other people like they're doing with Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, while his ideas may be misconstrued in his own mind, he does have a right to say them. But to say that he's perpetuating violence against the LGBT community is ignorant, is wrong. He's not. He's, he's not. he's explaining his point of view. Whether it be right or wrong, he has never once said everybody should go out and commit crimes against these people. No. Unless you're committing crimes or hurting people, anti-vaxxers are hurting people. That's not a point of view. People sitting there saying that, oh, well, you know, people like Nicki Minaj and, and uh, all these other con- conservatives or paranoid schizophrenics that are sitting there saying counter to not get the vaccine or get the, get the virus and then you'll have an immunity providing you survive it, that is causing a problem. So this is the big, biggest problem that we are facing now. And when we hear stuff of people, people being racist and the Republicans doing this and liberals wanting to, you know, let crime grow because that's going to keep them in charge, which is the stupidest fucking thing imaginable. It's the idea that the other side has the answer. No one side has the answer. As Louis Black once said, if anyone out there thinks a Democrat or a Republican will solve all the world's problems, I want to know what kind of drugs you're taking. Because it's true. Progressives want an issue, but we shouldn't disparage progressives because they have another, a different ideal than mainstream Democrats. They want free health care for all. They want socialized medicine. They want to be able to negotiate to bring prices down where it shouldn't cost $800 or $1,000 for an EpiPen or for insulin. We're the, one of the richest countries in the world, and yet we screw people over, Democrats and Republicans, to keep, their, to keep the people down. To keep this loose, lofty goal of, hey, you may be rich one day, so let's not change the laws because then when you're rich, you can go ahead and, and, and you can go ahead and live this life that all the rich people live. It's a form of oppression, and that's liberal and Democrat. I mean, that's liberal and conservative. 
Nobody wants more rich people. Nobody wants rich people in their sight. I mean, even rich people don't like people that worked for their money or inherited their money. It's the same exact thing. So the biggest problem we have in this country today isn't any of the issues that you find on any of the 24-7 news programs. It's hypocrisy. So if we can get our head out of our asses for at least a day, we may actually be able to make some change. So before we end the show today, I wanted to take a moment to make an announcement. I'm going to be taking an early break from the show. I know I was planning to do another six episodes until winter break, but I just can't right now. I need to take some time for myself. It's been five months since my brother's passing, and I've been keeping myself busy. And I've noticed that I haven't done anything for myself. I work, do the shows with Adam, and this show to fill the in-between times. So I need to get back into the world. Go to plays, movies, dinners, hang out with some, some people of society. Get back into writing that, that isn't just for the show. Play some video games again. Watch movies that I've missed. And truthfully, with the holidays coming up, I think it's starting to hit me a bit harder than I expected. Life needs to be lived, even if it's my own. And I need to make up new traditions, figure out what to do for those holidays, and not just try to ignore them. I love Christmas, and I always have. So what does that mean for the show? Well, I plan to return in February when I originally expected to return. And I just need to reimagine the podcast, figure out a, the direction. I, I won't end it to start a new one. Done that before. Don't want to do it anymore. So I may have another episode or two in me to release during the break. Not huge ones, but something. And so for those of you that have been listening, keep subscribing to the show. I will be back. I promise. All right, so thanks for tuning in. This show is ad-free, and, you know, I'd like to keep this one and all the other shows that way, and we can only do that with your support. So if you'd like to donate to make this podcast and all the other shows on the Lazy Geeks Network self-sustaining, you can go to thelazygeeks.com and click on that donate button. And if you can't help us out monetarily, I get it. You know, holidays make it a little rough. So you can share it and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you can, wherever you can. This helps raise our profile, gets us out there. It all helps, trust me. And you can also check out all the other shows available on the Lazy Geeks Network. Uh, that's the Lazy Geeks, where Adam and I discuss being a geek in adult world. Uh, and um, then there's our Star Trek-centric podcast, The Away Team, which we recap every episode of Star Trek in canonical order. Right now, we're currently uh, starting season three of Enterprise. So you need to check it out. That's the season where they did a whole long story arc. And all are available wherever you got this show. And if you want to help the show, give me support, uh, hit me up with comments, maybe some questions or ideas for future topics, you can catch me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under at the Lazy Geeks, or email us, the Gen Xer podcast, all one word, at thelazygeeks.com. And if you'd like to follow me personally, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Gen underscore Xer. 
Uh, so yeah, so that's it for me for for this season. Um, until the next time we speak, I'm Stephen Vargas, and the battle, and in the battle between the Boomers and the Millennials, there are the Gen Xers. Mm-hmm.